Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Life Hacks. This series looks at helpful strategies from the book of Proverbs to help us live life well now and to prepare us for eternity. We're uh, going to be looking today at Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. And there'll be a, a lot of other texts that I'll kind of bring up. They'll all be up here on the screen. And I'll remind you of this in the teaching, but I really want to remind you right now, in the devotion and discussion guide, there's a lot of extra scriptures being given as we're going through this Life Hack series. We're doing something a little bit different to just kind of show the, the breadth of what God's Word says on these topics. So there's a lot of text in there that I will not even get to today. So... Um, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. Hear now the words of our loving, generous, and sovereign God. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another man withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. If I say the name Ebenezer Scrooge, what comes to your mind? Right. I mean, it's, it's become, his very name has become a setup for who he is, a person who is stingy and hard-hearted and the exact opposite of generosity. He is a sad, mean, and shrunken soul when you first meet him in the story and as you go throughout uh, the story. In fact, he is the absolute stereotype of this kind of individual. And past experiences and past choices had made him stingy rather than generous. As you go through the dream, you realize some of the past and what had gone on for him that it caused him to arrive at this place. But he's being warned in this dream because his soul, as it were, had become so shrunken that he, he despised other people. He cared for no one. All he cared about was hoarding his own money. And for him, that dream came and then opened him up and changed him uh, overnight. Well, that doesn't necessarily happen for all of us. But I bring him up because today we're going to be looking at this life hack, this idea of generosity. And so we want to ask ourselves, what is generosity? Why is it important? And how do we grow generous since for most of us we don't get uh, dreams by, uh, with Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas future and Christmas present in our, uh, in our night? So how do we actually come about and change in this way? Well, the first thing is understanding the importance of generosity. If you notice in our text today, there are really two different people, two different paths, two different ways that are being laid out here for us. One of them I've got highlighted in yellow up here, and the other one in orange. So notice that the proverb speaks of a person who, on the one hand, gives freely. He's referred to as being generous. He is spoken of as refreshing others. And finally, in his business dealings, he's willing to sell to other people, to, to actually engage uh, rightly in a just manner in his business dealings. On the other hand, 
marked in orange up here, there's another person who withholds unduly, we are told, and in fact, probably in a time of, of scarcity and need, hoards grain. He keeps it to himself. So these two are complete opposite pictures. One is a picture of a generous person. The other is the picture of a stingy person. And notice furthermore that these two approaches to life lead to two very different results. That's what the proverb wants to tell us. Not just that there are two kinds of people, but the proverb is observing the two different outcomes in life. So notice again in yellow, the generous person, his outcome is spoken of. Even though he gives away, he gains even more. He prospers. He himself is refreshed. Because he refreshes others, he himself is refreshed back. And finally, blessing, not only from God, but even from other people, crowns this person. This is an abundant, blessed life. In orange, notice the person who is stingy. He is spoken of not as getting even more, but even while he's stingy and hoarding and holding on to what he has, he ends up coming to poverty. And then while he is withholding grain and the, the, the uh, generous person is willing to do business and receiving blessing, this person withholds it and receives curses. In other words, once again, we have these two paths, these two ways in Proverbs, and they could not be further apart. The generous gain more, prosper, are refreshed and blessed. This is an abundant life. The stingy, on the other hand, receive poverty and cursing. This is the opposite of an abundant life. It is a sparse life indeed. And notice the difference between the two people that are listed here is one simple thing. Are they generous or are they stingy? That's the only difference that we are given. Are they growing generous or are they shrinking into stinginess. And I want to keep that idea before you. It's not just being generous, it's growing generous. And what I mean by that is you're becoming more and more generous. But also generosity, there's something about it that it causes you and I in our soul, it causes you and I as people to grow, to spread, to become larger in a sense. While stinginess, it does something to our soul that the opposite happens. We begin to turn in on ourselves, and over time we actually begin to shrink in our personhood and in our capacity to enjoy life, to enjoy other people, to experience blessing. Even if the blessing were there, we really couldn't experience it because that's what stinginess does to our soul. Now this is a very common teaching in Scripture. Again, if you look in the guide, you'll see many, many verses that are brought out. I'm just going to bring up two others that point out the same thing that we're learning here in this proverb. In Psalm 112, which is also a wisdom psalm, and it's describing, it's an acrostic poem that describes a blessed person, a blessed life. And in verse 5, it says this, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. So notice here that if you are generous, good comes to you. And the generous person is spoken of as lending freely. But on the, uh, and uh, 
he, he's also further described in the parallelism of the psalm that he conducts his affairs with justice. This is kind of like that verse on hoarding grain, Proverbs eleven twenty six, and we're going to come back to this. It's not just in his personal dealings, but even in his business dealings, he works with justice. And so it says, look, good crowns this person. His life is abundant and blessed. Jesus put it this way in Luke six thirty eight. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So notice here, Jesus says as you give out, it's going to be measured back. But he even goes into the phrase, I love you know, pressed down, shaken together, running. I mean, it's, it's all there. And he's saying it's, it's so much it can't even be contained. That's what happens. When you give, you give back. But if you are stingy, Jesus is saying, and you are the kind of person who does not give, note that that will come back to you as well. Now, Jesus is not even here talking about, you know, that God's standing up. He's just saying this is the way the world works. That's what the proverb is telling us. This is the way God has designed the universe. If you are a giving, generous soul, things come back to you. And if you are a stingy, closed-fisted, hard-hearted soul, it, you, you, you don't receive abundance. You don't receive blessing. And so it's critical for us to understand and remind ourselves of this principle because, see, our world tells us things like, Look out for number, what do we mean by that? Hey, i got to take care of me. You worry about you, and I'll worry about me. But see, that's the exact opposite of what Jesus says. That's the exact opposite of what the proverb says. So once again, we're confronted with this question. Who's right, Jesus or the world? Because they're heading in two different directions. Jesus tells us that we have to understand that. We have this thing that when we follow this, the problem is what it actually ends up leading to is a poverty of spirit, and it chokes all the richness out of life. Even if one had abundance, they can't experience it. Something happens to the human soul. It is shut off. It can't even experience what is there. And again, I encourage you, look in the welcome book and you can see many, many other verses that talk about the outcome of generosity and the outcome of stinginess and how vastly different they are. There are so many verses in the scripture on that. But that'll bring up the question to you and me. How do we do this? Because if you're Ebenezer Scrooge, you might get a dream and your final light and have a chance to change. But how do you and I actually grow generous? Well, we're going to take a look at a number of steps here. And I will remind you, as throughout this series, I encourage you right now to pray. We're going to be looking at God's Word and His law, and it's going to give us a number of statements here. Ask the Holy Spirit to be revealing, is there any area in which I'm shrinking into stinginess rather than growing into generosity? In these areas we're going to talk about. We're going to see generosity covers a whole gamut of life. There's a lot of different areas. So let's dive in and talk about these. First, you grow generous with money and possessions. With money and possessions. This is the one that most people probably think of immediately, and it's the first one that's there in the proverb and in several other places. Notice in Proverbs 11:24, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another man withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Seems to be speaking about money and possessions here in this verse predominantly. 
And it certainly is in Proverbs 22, 9, where we read, A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Notice we're very specifically here. They're not leaving it to say what he shares. There's a poor guy who doesn't have enough food. The generous man gives him food. 1 John chapter 3, John's very blunt. and says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. John says, if you're there and you have the ability to meet a need and you don't meet that need, what's going on inside your heart? How is the love of God in you? And in these texts, generosity is specifically being willing to share material possessions with others. And this points out to us that generosity is actually the opposite. Another word for stinginess would even be greed. It's the opposite of greed. Greed says, I've always got to get more. Generosity says, I'm willing to give away what I have. Rather than being consumed with the desire for what others possess, a generous person is content and willing to share with others. If you actually look how the New Testament develops the Eighth Commandment, the Eighth Commandment simply says, don't steal. But the New Testament always develops that and says, no, don't steal, be content, work hard so that you can have enough to share with other people. It's the complete opposite of what a, a thief would do. A thief who is greedy, who is stingy, who's the opposite of generous, would always try to take. But the New Testament says, well, here's how that works out. You not only do that, you are content. You, you don't steal, you're content. And you are working hard so that you're able to even be able to share with other people. It's, it's the direction is completely opposite. And so the love of God, John says, if you've experienced the love of God, that should work out in being generous with others with money and with possessions. So that's the first area. And again, that's probably the one that leaps to our mind. But I want to show that there are uh, at least five other areas that we're going to look at where generosity is part of it. Secondly, we can grow generous with time and talents by serving others. Even if I didn't have financial means at all, I can still be generous. In Exodus 23, verses 4 and 5, we read, If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to make a Facebook post and laugh at him. Right? What are we supposed to do with our enemy's property? Take it back to him. Be generous. Take your time. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you falling down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure to help him with it. Now, this requires time. It requires, I'm going to stay here and labor and work. And notice that the law specifically says, even for the guy who hates you, he's your enemy. You still be generous in return. 1 Timothy 6.18, Paul said, He's speaking about how Timothy should pastor the rich. And he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So notice here, it's not just about what they do with their money. They are to do good. They are to be rich in good deeds. For example, a deed like if your neighbor's donkey fell into a ditch, you come and you help him. You pull it out. You work with him. This specifically is talking about good deeds. A generous person is someone who is willing to serve others with their time and with their talents. 
I might be very, very wealthy and willing to write a check and then still be stingy when it comes to my actual own time. But see, God says, no, a generous soul is willing to help whatever. Because see, if a guy's donkey is stuck in the ditch, he doesn't need my checkbook. He needs me to help him get the donkey out of the ditch. That's what he needs at that moment. A generous spirit's willing to serve others, and that, that spirit has got to be cultivated because, see, our culture, think about this with our culture, we are breeding consumers. From the moment you're born, our culture is trying to turn you into a consumer. And what is the direction that consumers do? Do consumers give or do consumers take? See, they take. But generous people give. So you see, it's the exact opposite. And the culture, make no mistake, I don't care who you are, the culture is grooming you to be a consumer, to expect to be served rather than to serve, to be given to rather than to give to others. And so a desire to serve, whether in the church, family, or others, we have to cultivate it, but it is part of a rich, blessed life. You can't experience a rich life of blessing if you're not willing to serve other people, which doesn't require a dime. It just requires me being willing to give of my time and my talents to help someone else. A third area is we grow generous in our attitude and our spirit. Notice in our main text, Proverbs eleven twenty five, the second verse says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. In Proverbs 17, 5, kind of gives us the flip side of this idea. He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. And so here, the generosity that's in view in verse 25 and the opposite being in view there in, in chapter 17, verse 5, is a generosity of spirit. It's a generosity that begins internally. It arises from a spirit that says, I want to refresh others. I want other people to experience blessing. I want them to be glad that we ran into one another, that we had contact with each other. But see, the stingy spirit there in Proverbs 17.5, notice the word that's used, it's mocking. They mock the poor. They look for reasons to criticize and gloat over the difficulties that the people are doing rather than praying and looking for ways to help. Okay, see, it says they specifically, they mock them. They actually gloat over disaster. Now, that may sound strong until you pay attention to the culture in which we live. Let me be clear. This culture is growing increasingly stingy. It is growing increasingly against any sense of generosity. We are becoming a culture where people love to mock and be cruel to someone with whom they disagree. You like a politician I don't like? You're an idiot. And whatever happens to you, good. I'll be glad for it. You deserve it because you're trying to take everything the wrong direction. That's Proverbs 17.5 to a T. But it is not Proverbs 11.25. 
It's not the Spirit of Christ. And what it ends up doing is leading to a narrow, hard existence. That again, you can't flourish in that existence. A person who is that way, even if someone was blessing back towards them, they can't even receive it. Because the whole world has been boiled down to this hard, competitive, fighting, nasty place. And I can't say, as I watch our culture, I'm turning 58 this summer. I've never seen our culture like it is now. It is rife with nastiness, with a narrowness of heart towards anybody that dares to disagree with me. And if, if you're not seeing that, you're not reading the news, you're not looking at social media, you're apparently not walking out of your house very often. It's the way we're going. But see, a generous spirit, and I'll, I'll conclude this little point with, with another verse. A generous spirit is uh, defined in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Notice Paul's talking about love there. But notice how he summarizes love at the end. Love, he says, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. See, that's what generosity looks like in action. It's something that says, I trust rather than doubt. I'm going to protect you rather than trying to expose you. I'm going to always have hope for where things are going rather than being gloom and doom. And I'm going to, for that reason, be able to persevere. So you can't even do that last part unless you've done the others. And so we have to ask ourselves, is this the way I'm growing? Because a generous spirit hopes, thinks, believes, and trusts the best about others, while a critical spirit speaks the worst about them, assumes, and thinks the worst about them. So which way are we? Which way are we growing? Because your soul and mine are growing in one direction or shrinking in the other. Let's try a, a, another point. And again, keep asking the Holy Spirit if there's one particular place where he would be speaking and convicting. Am I growing generous in society and in my work practices? Yes, generosity even includes economics and work. Notice in Proverbs eleven twenty six, where he's given three verses in a row on generosity. He says, people curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. Notice here, it's, it's an economic transaction. It's not just that the guy's got grain. He's not willing to sell. And the, and the basic reason is because he's trying to hold out. He's trying to get something out. People have got needs. And rather than being concerned with meeting their needs, he's trying to get extra buck for himself. Notice how this is brought up in Deuteronomy 24, 19. And there's a bunch of verses that have this principle uh, in God's law. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. Now notice here, if I wrote a business plan today and said, here's my business plan, we're going to leave margin around, falling off, just so that the poor can get some stuff out of this. How many venture capitalists are going to join me in starting my business? What's the way that we want to do? Dude, squeeze blood out of the rock and then have another process to squeeze it more and get more blood out of that rock. That's how, but see, God's law, and it's not just here, it's a bunch of places. God's law says you can't be that way. 
You can't go to the edge of your fields. You always have to leave some. If you go through, you don't get to go back through a second time. You're going to leave some there because there are aliens who've come in from other countries. There are widows. There are people who are just poor. You might read about one of them named Ruth in the Old Testament from whom the Lord Jesus comes. is in exactly that place. And their only way to be cared for is if you haven't so gone through it a first, second, third, fourth time to get your business ratcheted down so tight there's nothing left for them. That's in the law of God. It was required of his people. God commanded them not to do that. So a generous spirit does not look at business through a dog-eat-dog lens, but rather says, this is my vocation. I've been called by God so that I can serve other people. This is one way I serve them. So I'm not looking at them for how I can squeeze extra out of them and cheat them out of something. Rather, I'm saying, how do I use the gifts and talents I've been given here in my work so that I can actually serve them? That does not sound like business school today, does it? But see, that's what God tells us to do. And how much better would the world be if you knew that when you were doing business with someone, they weren't just looking for how they could get every dime out of you, but they actually said, I'm here because God's called me to serve you. We serve one another. And that would revolutionize the way we relate to one another. And so any view of economics, if I... I can't just be generous because, see, here's what we're tempted to do. Well, I'm generous in my personal dealings, but when I go to work, it's dog-eat-dog, baby. But, see, you cannot compartmentalize your soul that way, nor can I. If I try to do that, what I'm actually doing is I'm shrinking my soul all day long at work, and then I try to come home and have a 10-minute quiet time and get my soul back to being generous. It doesn't work that way. A generous soul has to say that, When I'm dealing with economics, I will not cheat. I will not crush others. I won't stack the deck in the favor of the rich uh, because all that does is it produces a hard, stingy society rather than a generous, flourishing community. The bottom line is that the bottom line is not the bottom line. It's just not. There's, we have to look at a whole equation. I was talking to a person yesterday at a wedding we had done, and he was semi-retired, he said, and doing, he was in a very lucrative field, and they were actually offering him millions of dollars to move to another country for a couple of years and do things, and I congratulated him on it. He just said, I just looked at him and said, no. And they said, you can't leave. This is like $7 million, I think he said, for two years' work. He said, yeah, I can leave it on the table because it's not good for my family. I'm a grandfather now, I have kids, I have other things that are here, and I don't need the money that bad. Do we have that approach in how we work in society and in business? Or do we just narrow in on one little aspect? Because if we do, that's exactly what we're doing. We're narrowing our soul down rather than it growing and becoming generous. Two more areas, and then we'll conclude. We can grow generous in forgiveness, in forgiveness. Luke 6, 37, Jesus said this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Notice again this reciprocity that's going on. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So notice here that Jesus is telling us a generous spirit is not judgmental or condemning, but it's quick 
to forgive others. And notice he's again telling us this principle. And you, you notice this, don't you? If you find people who are just kind and generous and forgiving to others, how do people usually respond back to them? The, the same way. But if you meet somebody who's nasty and, and they don't forgive and they are judgmental and they are condemning and then they're caught with their hand in the cookie jar, what does everybody do? I mean, everybody is on them. And Jesus said, don't be surprised. That's the way this works. And notice Paul goes on and expands this out and explains for us why it's not just that that's the way the world works for us. In Ephesians 4.32, we're told, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ultimately, generosity is based on the gospel. How many of you are glad God is not stingy with grace? I mean, are you glad God is not stingy with his forgiveness and says, well, I'll see how you do this week? I mean, if God operated the universe that way, what if God said, I will only give you sun and rain and let food go as often as you are thankful and you're doing what you ought to do? We'd all be living like in the Sahara Desert or something. But see, God's not that way. And so Paul says, look, just as Christ has forgiven you in the same way, in the same manner, in the same amount, you turn and you be kind and compassionate. You be forgiving towards one another. A stingy spirit always wants to maximize the sins of others while minimizing its own. And it wants to with hold them, forgiveness from them, while it's assuming forgiveness for itself. I mean, God's going to forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive others. But notice, Jesus doesn't just say this here, and Paul doesn't just say, you remember that scary line in the Lord's Prayer? See, we want to redact all the wrong things out of the Bible. People, people always want to cut things out of the Bible. Here's a scary verse. You know, Lord, forgive us our trespasses just as we what? Forgive those who trespass against us. So what am I telling God? I mean, I'm praying this every time I pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, here's how much I want to be forgiven. The same amount I'm forgiving other people. And if I don't forgive them, don't bother forgiving me. That's basically what that prayer is. Okay? If you understand that, what's the only option left? I mean, not pray the prayer. <laughs> Skip that part, right? Get really silent during that part of the prayer. But see, that's not what Jesus is giving us as an option. Saying, no, you, you've got to be forgiving. You've got to forgive other people just like you want the Father to forgive you. This is the way of the gospel. Now, the last area, it then leads to prayer. And Again, a number of verses, but I'll just point out one. In Luke 6, 27 and 28, Jesus says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. So notice it even culminates that whatever they've done, rather than doing the same thing, I'm doing the opposite. They hate me, I love them. They curse me, I bless them. They mistreat me, I pray for them. And let's be clear here, what kind of prayer is Jesus not asking me to pray for them? Oh God, 
send fire from heaven and consume my enemy. That's not what he's asking for. Okay? In fact, we, we see an example of this kind of prayer. Can you think of anyone who did this exactly? When people were mistreating, he was praying for them. Jesus come to mind on the cross, right? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Stephen, as Saul of Tarsus is standing there, and they are pelting him with rocks, and he is dying, what's his last prayer? Father, do not lay this sin to their account. That's a generous spirit. That's a spirit that's been transformed by the gospel. A, a generous person is going to love others and be willing to pray for enemies who mistreat them. So here, I, I thought about this analogy. I want you to understand this. A stingy person is like a mirror. They reflect whatever treatment they're getting. You mistreat me, I mistreat you. You curse me, curse coming right back at you. You're nasty to me, nastiness is going to come right back. A generous person is like glass. No matter what you're doing, you can see through them, and what you see beyond them is the gospel. So that's the question. Am I, am I turning hard and turning into a mirror? And if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. But if you're nasty to me, then you can expect it back double. Or am I somebody who says, you know what's important? I want the gospel to be seen and so if you speak evil of me i'm going to bless you you know you're cursing me i'll call blessings on you you're nasty to me i'm going to pray for you that's my response that's what i'm going to do one of the greatest ways to develop a generous spirit towards others is to regularly pray for them it's really really hard to be narrow and stingy and mean and nasty towards someone that you're praying for regularly, that you are asking God to bless. Because in the middle of it, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, most of what goes on in prayer is God working on me. As much or more than what's going on in the lives of the people I'm praying for. But that's one of the things that God starts revealing to me and I start seeing, wow, my spirit towards this person is not right. Father, I need you to change me, and I'm going to keep praying for you to bless them. I'm going to keep praying for you to work in their lives and for them to experience your goodness and richness. And I'm going to keep doing that until you're changing my own heart so that I can rejoice with them. See, that's, that's another thing. Uh, I'm, I'm memorizing our catechism this year. When you go through the Ten Commandments, you know, again, there's always the Old Testament says don't do this. The New Testament says, and what that means is you have to do this. And when you come down, the Old Testament says don't covet. But what the New Testament says is don't covet, be content, and be able to rejoice when other people are blessed. That's when I know if I'm really becoming generous is the person who may have been mean and nasty to me gets blessed. And my response is, man, that is good to see that God is caring for them. How many of you know that's hard? See, that's hard. That's when I want to whip out an imprecatory psalm. Oh, God, <laughs> happy is he who does this terrible thing to them. But see, that's a sign that the gospel hasn't worked enough on my heart. So how do we apply this? 
Okay, well, the first thing, and I'm going to do like we've been doing every week, I'm going to put all of these points up here on the screen. So, and I won't repeat every one of them or talk through them, but I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit because He knows I don't. Even if I thought I did, I don't. The Holy Spirit knows in which of these areas, and let me be clear, the answer is not none of the above. I do know you well enough to know that. In which of these areas do I read that and I feel something inside kind of tense up? And I don't like that. Maybe it's money and possessions. I, 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 don't, I don't like doing that. I'm, I'm willing to help with people, but what's mine is mine. Maybe it's with my time. Maybe it's just my whole spirit and attitude. But when you look at these all the way down, maybe it's forgiving or prayers, which of these things do you feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe when I was going through it, that was the one where you started sweating a little bit. Okay? What I would encourage you to do, and I want to challenge you to do, is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this week, and it'll start when we come to the table in just a moment. There's a bunch of other verses in the booklet there for each of these that you can look up. Meditate on it. Ask the Lord to work in your life. And I want to remind you again for a moment, it's for your good. If I become narrow in one of these areas, it ends up, all it ends up doing is hurting me. See, if you don't forgive other people, who ultimately is really harmed and destroyed? It's me. It makes my life a living hell. The other person's gone on. They're doing their thing, and your unforgiveness does not have power over them. But it does have power over you, and it'll poison you, and it'll poison everybody around you because you won't forgive. So we want to ask the Holy Spirit, and we want to meditate and say, Lord, work this in my life for your glory because I want to be like Jesus. And work it in my life for my own good because I don't want to be shrinking and getting narrower and narrower and narrower. Uh, C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce has some great things where he's imagining what human souls are like. And some of them, as they're trying to get to heaven, they can't even get there because the souls are becoming so deformed and so shrunken. They can't even experience God anymore. Friends, that's what we do not want. We want a soul that is open. I believe the reason we're going to keep growing in all of eternity is your capacity and my capacity to know and love and glorify and enjoy God is only going to keep growing forever and ever. Well, we can start that now. And life, how much ever longer you have on this earth, will be richer the more you're growing generous and it'll be poorer the more you're shrinking stingy. So let's ask the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to turn to the gospel because if I didn't, you should fire me. We've been talking, look, Proverbs is a book of law. It is. And the law of God is important. It is good. It is true. It is right. It is holy. And can you and I keep that good, true, right, holy law? No, we do not. We, we, when, I, when you read these, I see the deer in the headlights look as I keep going through all these Proverbs and everybody's like, oh my word. Well, you can't, and nor can I. We all fall short in all of these. And so the key to becoming generous is found in the gospel. It's not found in your efforts or mine. It's not found in us trying to screw it up and make, you know, I'm going to work really hard and get this done. 
When we consider God's law, we fall short, but the gospel reminds us of God's generosity towards us in spite of our sin and unworthiness, in spite of the fact that I fall short in these areas, God is generous to me. The good news is you're not going to come to this table in a couple of minutes and God's going to say, your business dealings weren't up to snuff this week. Get away from the table. He, do, he doesn't do that. He's kind and he's generous towards you and me and it reminds us of that. And the gospel also reminds us that God is our inexhaustible source. See, I am tempted to shrink into stinginess if I start thinking there's not enough in the world. It's a world of scarcity. And if I don't get mine and hold on to it, Simeon's going to run over and grab some of mine. So we got to start fighting so I can keep up with mine. And I'm in trouble because he's bigger than I am. But that's the way we approach it. But if you're reminded in the gospel that no, your source is God. And there is no end to him. He is inexhaustible. Then you know what? Suddenly, sure, you can have some of this. I'll give you my time. I'll give you some of what I have. Because God is more than able to take care of me. And the gospel reminds me of that. If we're shrinking stingy, we are not meditating on the gospel. We're viewing the world completely wrongly. Just consider for a moment. Uh, Linda and I have had the joy this year. We, we like arugula. And we've planted some in our backyard. And it's crazy. You drop these little seeds in the ground and all this stuff comes up and you can go cut it off and eat it. I mean, consider that. You live in a planet. What other planet does this? None that we know of. The whole world is created to produce because that's the way God is. And so we live in that kind of a world. And the gospel also is what provides power from the Holy Spirit to work and change us. Not only is my mind changed and transformed, Simeon's going to talk about that next week as I'm meditating on the gospel, but when I realize in one of these areas uh, like I'm not forgiving others and the gospel's transforming my mind to realize I really do need to forgive others, but I still can't do it unless the Holy Spirit empowers me. But here's good news. When we come to this sacramental table in a moment, the Holy Spirit is here to meet you and to meet me and to empower us. You are not left to your own devices because God is that generous. He never leaves you to your own devices or me to mine. He comes and he meets us. And so we ask the Spirit, as we come to this table, I want to encourage you to be reminded of the gospel, to feed upon the generous grace of God, but to also be crying out and saying, Holy Spirit, you've revealed to me where I'm struggling, where I'm shrinking into stinginess. I want you to help me grow generous. Come upon me, empower me, strengthen me each and every day this week. That's what we cry out for is for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to remind us as we are coming to the table, uh, this is a generous table. You do not have to be a member of Bay Ridge Christian Church to partake at this table. You do need to be a believer because as we're praying, you're going to see we're going to be confessing that God is our generous creator and he is our generous redeemer. And he's given the Holy Spirit to us. And if we don't believe that, then this is a meal we would just pass. But if you believe those things, then I encourage you to partake along with us and to receive from God here at his table. 
If you are uh, gluten intolerant and you need gluten-free, if you just raise your bread in a couple of moments, we will bring uh, those elements to you and we will have them uh, for you. And other than that, let's come before the Lord to receive from Him. For friends, what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He'd given thanks, He broke it. And He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from it, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Oh, Father, we pray as we come to this table that you would meet us, that you would minister to us, that you would change us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you get the elements, hold on to them, and then we will partake them together in just a couple moments. Father, you are a generous God. Out of your overflowing generosity, you created all that is, bringing forth life and filling it with your abundant goodness. And in your stunning generosity, you made us in your image. Though we were fashioned from simple soil, we alone bore your image, and we alone can walk and talk with you. Your generosity is abundantly clear throughout this world. For you make the earth to bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. And you provide sun and rain, caring for both the evil and the good, the righteous and the unrighteous, those who acknowledge you and those who refuse to. So we take this bread and we give you thanks for this great generosity, acknowledging that you are our generous creator and sustainer. Take and eat. Lord, you generously made us in your image, the very crown of your creative work. And even though we fell, you kindly called us from hiding and provided a covering for our nakedness. Yet when you, our Creator, came to us, we rejected you, spilling your blood and putting you to death. And so the sun in darkness was forced to hide and shut its glories in, for Christ the mighty Maker died for man the creature's sin. And yet, even in that moment, you did not cry out for vengeance, but rather that we might be forgiven. And your blood still speaks a word of mercy over us, even today. So we take this cup, and we give you thanks for your blood, by which we are washed clean and pure, saved and made whole. And we drink it in faith, knowing that all of this is given to us only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
take and drink. Holy Spirit, you moved upon the waters of creation to bring forth order from chaos and fruitfulness from that which was barren and waste. So move upon us now so that our desires and actions might be ordered by the Word of God and so that our lives might be filled with your fruit. We humbly admit our need for you. Left to ourselves, we would be stingy rather than generous, mean-spirited rather than kind. But you, O Spirit of the living God, are powerful to change us, forming us in the very likeness of our Lord Jesus. So powerfully come upon us, O mighty rushing wind. Fill us anew, impart your gifts, cultivate your fruit, empower us to resist sin and embrace righteousness. This day and this week, we open ourselves to your work. We ask that you would do all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, for your glory and for our good. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And I encourage you to receive the blessing uh, as I speak the word of benediction from Psalm 67, one of my favorite psalms, uh, as it speaks about why you are blessed and I am blessed to be a blessing. May God be gracious to us, and may He bless us, and make His face shine upon us, so that His ways may be known on the earth, His salvation among all nations, so that the peoples of all the earth will praise our God. Go forth blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.